0: This is a Radio 1 91 FM podcast.
1: Right now, I'm joined by a Department of Economics postgraduate student, Leon sturk Wang. Morena to you, Leon. Morena. How are we today? Uh,
0: pretty good, pretty good. Yes. An earlier start than what I'm used to. I'll get you to
1: just come a little bit closer to your microphone there, because I can't yeah. quite make it out. Anyway, um, yes, a little bit earlier than your regular start. That's why I love getting academics at eight thirty. <laughs> they hate it. They absolutely uh, hate it. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, it's good. It's been good. It's been good. Yeah. That, sorry. Is
1: that? Somebody turned your mic around the wrong way, and I didn't notice it. So apologies to the audience for the terrible loud um, noise. Anyway, we're back. We're back. Oh, we're we're good yeah. There we go. Uh, anyway, right, the government announced three big, big you know, pretty big pieces um of legislation in terms of housing um over the uh, past week. Um with the doubling of the bright line test, um the end of interest write offs and a three point eight billion dollar uh spend on new inf- for infrastructure for new supply. But first we'll look at the bright line test. What exactly is the bright line test? Is is it just a capital gains tax in sup- uh you know, in in costume?
0: Uh I guess the short answer is yes. Um, you know, I've been a little bit disappointed that um, nobody's been willing to commit to um, sort of admitting that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it functions like one, yeah. Um, but obviously um, the current government's constrained by the fact that they've promised not to uh, introduce anything with the name capital gains tax, yes. uh, and so they're just trying to... Um, as far as what the line test is... Um, Brightline just refers to um, the fact that it's a well-defined uh, test uh, which just says that if you have held a uh, property for uh, less than a certain amount of time uh, then we're going to consider you um, as a speculator on that piece of property yeah. and we're going to ca- you know, uh, tax you on uh, any nominal capital gains there, right? Yeah. So there's the thing right
1: though, it's speculators um, they're going after with the Bright Line
0: test and I've you know, i been hearing
1: a lot with mom and pop investors who may have one rental going, you know, how this is going to affect me so much but for
0: the most part those people hold on to the homes for more than 10 years. Okay, so the way that I've been talking to people about this is um, the way I see it and the reason why this particular thing was like a little bit lacklustre for me was I see that there's like two sort of major players in the um, in the property investment game, right? Yeah. So you've got people who um, are sort of serious property investors and their style's kind of really old school, right? It's like, I'm going to build an empire, I'm going to build like mm. a collector's portfolio of properties, I'm going to hang on to them, I'm going to make sure that they're all cash flow positive, uh, and I'm never going to sell them, right? Yeah. Um, and... For those people, the increased bright line is not going to make the blindest bit of difference, right? Because, you know, except for maybe, you know, previously you might have had a situation where, um, you know, these people might have got to retirement age and they might have thought, like, okay, uh, time to sell down my 40 um, odd properties, right? Uh, n- now with the threat of, tax being imposed on income that they would have thought was tax free, you know, they might be liable to be like, okay, I'm just going to hand it off um, to a property manager and then um, just for my retirement I'm going to live on the rental return. So, you know, I see a way where this actually makes things less liquid, like, you know, it decreases the incentive to put properties back on the market. Mm -hmm. The other kind of person um, in the game, I think, is um, someone who we would describe as a speculator or a flipper, Um, and these are the kind of people who, like Andrew King, who's the um, spokesperson for the NZ Property Investors Federation, is kind of happy to throw under the bus, right? (laughs) oh, you know. But these kind of people legitimately buy houses... Um, and often, what they do is they just like renovate them and then sell them on, right? Yeah. And I don't think that the extended bright line is going to make a blind bit of difference to them either. Um, <clears throat> and the reason is that, uh, like, so, uh, full disclosure, I- I'm a legitimately card carrying member of the Otago Property Investors yes. Federation. Yes. I've spent a reasonable amount of time talking to these people and, like, you know, on their Facebook group I remember. Um, there's this one woman who is like big in this game renovating properties selling them on and uh, she does like 10, 20 houses a year all around the country and um, I remember someone asking her on Facebook once like oh you know what do you do about the Brightline test you know what, 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 what do you do to get around it she's like what, what, what do you mean what do we do about the Brightline test we, we just pay the tax right like yeah. our business is improving housing stock Mm. renovating it uh-huh. in a really efficient way, adding value that way, and then we just pay the tax, right? Because yeah. we're still making money. Yeah. And so for her, this isn't gonna make it any difference. No. You know, and so I'm like, well But those two group,
1: two groups combined make up about thirty percent, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. So you've sure. still you've still got the other seventy percent.
0: Uh yes, yes, okay. And those are people who you've characterised as like mom and Pop. Sort of. Yeah,
1: well, invested, that's just the right? classic term. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Um, and so, and so, they've got like one property on the go, and then neither of these uh, two people. And so, they're going to be the people who are most affected by this. And if we are interested in this policy package being um, equitable, then there seems to be some um, like wealth. Equality effects within the sort of landlording class, I guess. You know, if you want to sort of, yeah.
1: there's classes within the class. Well, I mean, but I mean, they're know. the ones that hold on to their properties for longer, right? Yeah. As well, they, they they don't just buy properties. You know, they, they buy properties for their retirement. Yeah, sure. sure essentially, sure, sure, so they're sure. gonna they're, they're gonna hold sure. on to a house for more than
0: ten years. Sure. Well, well they are gonna yeah, be buying
1: sure. a second house yeah, in their fifties. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, okay. So uh, in in that case, in that case, you know, like. What what difference does it make to them as well, right? I mean, if these people are buying and never selling, then you know, limited effect. But
1: is the point of the bright line test though to get those ones that hold on to their properties? I mean, sorry, those ones that have a massive amount of properties that aren't speculative, you know, aren't just flipping, to put houses back on the market, or is it there to deter investors from buying in the future, um, you know, at the same rate?
0: Uh it's going to be more effective as the latter yeah isn't it yeah um, and that's fine that's fine that's what the, yeah. the, 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 I assume that's what it's there for yeah sure yeah. yeah 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 and this is part of this this idea of like tipping the balance back in favor of first home buyers right mm-hmm. like this is the language that's been used um, yes so yeah I mean you know fair fair play um, you know it might act as a little bit of a disincentive um, but I imagine there'll be a number of people who will look at it and go like oh well you know, I wasn't planning on selling in, in mm. 10 years anyway, so mm.
1: whatever. Um, you know, because, I mean, on, in in any type of investment other than housing, you're already paying that tax. This is, you know, housing's like a special... Yeah, that's right. You know, a special, special area of, of purchase. So, I mean, if I was collecting, you know, if I if I put my money in art, for instance, you know, uh, and I borrowed money to be an art investor, I'd be paying the tax.
0: Sure. I mean, I guess the more common comparison is equities, right? Yeah. If you'd invested in stocks and stuff. Um, um, I say art because that's where I'd put my money, but I'm um, gone. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's probably not a dumb idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you, you know, equivalent investments are. Um, Yeah, not exempt from taxes in the same way. I mean, one of my colleagues who actually just recently left the um, economics department, he's been going on about this for years, right? This idea that um, housing seems to be this uh, protected class of investment Mm. where um, the capital gains are exempt as you earn them from tax. And then, you know, they're exempt from tax when you when you realize the gains right right at the yep. end. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's the situation where like you're taxed on your income to purchase the, the house And then any gains are exempt as you earn them, and then you're exempt when you withdraw them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's a sort of tax-exempt-exempt situation, where it's like for equities, uh, you are taxed on your income uh, before you buy them. You buy your stocks or equities or whatever, um, and then you pay tax as you earn dividends. Yeah, Um, And then... um, Uh, You're exempt when you withdraw them, but the fact is that you've been paying tax on all of the earnings as you accrue them, right?
1: Yeah, and when when it comes to housing, it's also, you know, it's not about you, it's about the people that are in those houses also, you know, so it affects affects people's lives. Um, Now, with with that in mind, uh, until now, investors have been able to claim back interest costs of a home loan against the rent received on the property. So say um, I earned $20,000 in rent, uh, and paid twelve thousand dollars in home loan interest i'd before now I'd only be paying the difference uh tax on the difference the eight thousand uh, but now I have to pay it for the entire 20k
0: yeah yeah so um yeah uh, so I guess wh- what's the thing here does this make a difference mm. right um yeah I mean of course it does um it's legitimately raises uh, costs for landlords and it's difficult to see how um, they don't then try and pass on those costs to um, renters. Right? Yeah. So, you know, the one Thing that I can confidently say is definitely not going to make rents go down. If that's who we're interested in. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. But I mean, if, 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 with that in mind, you know, I mean, I guess that's if people, uh, you know, in it for the game of, of making profit every year, year on year, right, and not just about making money at the end when selling the final product. Um, but I, and I guess that's the case for most investors. Right, because uh, we were talking a bit, little bit off here about yields before, with the average yield in Delina being about 5% so a $500,000 $500, house that yield is $25,000 a year uh, interest rate of 3% that's 15000 so there's $10,000 profit you're making
0: Yeah okay so you're saying that um that um, so why can't that your profi- tax shield of whatever it is, let's say two and a half grand or whatever? Yeah. Why can't you eat um, that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, and you know, you're right. Why shouldn't they be able to eat that if um, if they legitimately walk away with? Because at um, the end, you're legitimately like yeah. Freehold of yeah. yeah, ten grand's worth of economic uh, profits, yeah. right? And so. Um, You know uh, the increased costs. So why wouldn't you eat it? Well, you know um, these guys are never going to voluntarily eat the costs. No, no. You know, so as long as the demand side of the rental market is uh, going to bear increases in rent, they'll charge as much as they can, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I mean, until they. Can't anymore until people, you know, legitimately can't sort of pay the rents, and then they're going to sort of start to have to you know, compete for tenants a little bit more again. Um, um, but they will charge as much as they can um, to sort of defray the increased costs. Yeah, but I mean, at the end, you've got a
1: freehold, a freehold house and so then you sell that for... A Investors company. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and and if you've got it freehold and you've had that for 10 years, yeah. it's gone up in
0: value. You're earning another 200k on top. Yeah, I was having this thought this morning, right, and I was... Because you sent me some 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 discussion topics, and I was trying to really think about, um, you know, the way that this affects rents, and I was trying to think about like what we might like to see in like a quote-unquote like just world right? Yeah. So I was thinking oh well let's let's imagine that there are two households and they're exactly equivalent right? Like they've got the same amount of savings, they've got the same amount of income um, you know they're exactly the same in, in every respect except for one of them really likes housing as an asset class yeah. and one of them is doesn't like housing as an asset class so much and would much prefer to hold their money in like stocks or equities right yeah so when you go to buy a house as an owner occupier um, what you're doing when you sign up for a 30-year mortgage is you're doing a combination of two things at once right the first thing is that you're signing up to pay for housing services that you'll consume Mm-hmm. Right. The second thing is you're effectively signing up to a compulsory savings scheme, right? Because over the yeah. 30 years, you'll pay down the principal and you'll end up with, you know, let's assume that no capital gains ever happens on a house at all for the moment. You know, at the end, you'll have money tied up in a house that's equivalent to the price that you paid for it. So it's basically a savings account. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So... L- so that's great for, for the homeowner they've got this, you know, at the end of it they'll, they'll have this big pile of uh, savings that's locked up in the house and they will have been able to consume a whole bunch of housing services, right so if we wanted to have like a just world where um, the two households um, sort of ended up with the equivalent opportunity to build wealth um, and we didn't want to penalise the people who didn't want to get into housing. Mm-hmm. you know. We'd expect that the people who prefer stocks would purchase their housing services on the rental market, right? So that rent would cover the legitimate costs of the housing services that they're consuming. And the amount that they can save, the residual from their income that they don't spend on housing services and living costs, um, would be able to be put into the equivalent of the savings account of the house, right? Yeah. So, at the end of the day, you know, if we wanted these two people to be treated equitably, um, the person who's renting should have just as much money in stocks as the owner-occupier in the house has locked up in their house, right? Yeah. Um, currently, that doesn't seem to be the case, does it? No. Because on the whole, what we observe is that renters are expected to cover the cost of the entire mortgage, right, including the principal payments mm-hmm. um, you know. and the rates. Yeah, so so I think that like the rates and the insurance and the um, the maintenance, the wear and tear and stuff are all legitimate costs of the housing services yeah, because all of those would have to be paid for by the owner, owner occupier as well mm-hmm. um, but you know um, a, 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 in a world where there's no capital gains a landlord I think should be able to charge rent um, which covers the interest component of the loan yeah. because that's the opportunity cost of having the money locked up Yeah, um, uh, the property taxes, the insurance, the maintenance, all of those are legitimate components of the housing costs. Yeah. But, you know, again what I'm calling a just world, um, the landlord would probably accept that they should probably pay the principal component of the loan because at the end of the day, they're going to walk away with, with
1: the case. Yeah, that's right. They're gonna get it at the ex- end.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But what we observe is that in most cases, renters here are expected to pay the principal component uh, of the loan mm. as well, mm. which means that if you don't think housing is a good place to put the money, you're at a significant disadvantage. Yeah. Currently, right? So, you know.
1: But that's that. That's that. Um, that's that yield. Yeah. Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I guess you know. And thinking about it from that perspective, you know, do these do these policies that we're talking about? Does this announcement push us any closer to um, closer to a situation which we would think is of as fair, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, is what I'm trying to get at here. Sorry. Oh, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm I'm not a property expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pay a you know. Well, actually, I pay, like, in terms of how rent has been increasing, um, I I pay an all right rent, to be honest. You know, I'm lucky my landlord's only put it up $10 in the past three years. Okay, okay, well, yeah,
0: that's right, that's right. I mean, you're lucky. Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm extremely lucky, but but I'm
0: also a very good
1: tenant. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, And that's not saying that everybody else, that's money. I mean, rent's been going up, that they're not as well. Um, But, you know... um, I, I've been very lucky but I mean we're looking for a, a bigger house because we don't have enough space for the entire family yeah sure um, and it's it's
0: oh difficult looking oh yeah, yeah. Well,
1: and the price difference between a, a, a three bedroom and a four bedroom is preposterous okay
0: okay you know we're going to yeah, have to sure. pay
1: another $120 yeah. a week yeah and I'm already paying a third of my income you know we're already paying a third of our household income
0: yeah um I don't know whether you wanted to have a chat about this, um, these uh, first home buyer supports that the government has announced.
1: Oh, well, yes, well, that's right. I mean, this is something that we've been looking at, you know, we're going to build when we eventually get to that point.
0: Yeah, so I was was going to um, just point out that, um, you know, so you're saying you're handing over a third of your after-tax income on housing costs, right? Mm -hmm. So I was just running the numbers on the changes to the income and house price caps the other day, right, and you know, listening to Jacinda O'Donnell's interview on Wednesday with RNZ, right, she was like, oh look you know, the income and housing caps are set such that we don't want people handing over exorbitant amounts of their after-tax income to support a mortgage, right, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's fair, that's you know, like thirty percent seems to be the sort of threshold that yeah. you know the OECD looks at in terms of housing affordability and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so that's great, except for the fact that um, when I actually looked at the numbers the other day, it seems that the way that they've set the price and income caps with the current interest rates and you know the current environment, it seems that the government is in fact countenancing people handing over a larger proportion of their after tax income mm-hmm. than the price and income caps that they had prior to the change um, and it's like and it appears that they're comfortable with something like 6% more of your after tax income being handed over um, just with the way that they've shifted the price That's and a percent. Yeah, right? yeah. That's a big percentage. Yeah right? That's a big amount. Yeah. <laughs> so you know they're like oh we don't want people to be handing over like much more than 30% of their income but um but yeah it looks like if you were gonna yeah if you were gonna buy a house under the previous price and income caps and you were pushing it right to the line and you only just had a 10% deposit or whatever it was Mm -hmm. um and you know compare that to a similar situation after the changed price and income caps. Yeah, uh, it looks like you know the government is comfortable now with you handing over a greater proportion of your after-tax income.
1: But how much is the HomeStart grant and all
0: that stuff covering of that? Uh, yeah. So HomeStart, HomeStart, HomeStart. Yeah. So I guess on the whole, I looked at this and I thought, oh. The government's providing a bunch of support to get some aspiring first-home buyers across the line. Mm -hmm. It increases their ability to bid for housing, right? And so I see the access to more money in the form of a first-home grant as mostly going to be eaten up in prices. Yep. It right? increases the bidding power of aspiring first home buyers. That's right, so you're going to bid harder, bid higher. And so the price will yeah. just
1: increase. Right? Ca- your first home buyers, they're pretty overexcited and in some ways yeah. desperate.
0: Well, uh, there is y- a lot of desperation. Yeah, And so, you know, I, you know, I hear a lot of chat from advocates for first home buyers where they're like, oh, we just need something to get us over the line, we just need to get something to get us over the line. But if we step back and look at the effect of the policy in the long term there's a bit of a negative feedback loop here right where if you increase the supports for first home buyers this time around and you support this tranche of people into their first home that's great but the next time you go to do it it'll be that much harder right? um, to support the next tranche of first home buyers into a home um, which is kind of a shame and that's where supply comes in Ah, yes. Yes. And so um, these are all the uncontroversial parts of the announcement, right? It's uh, the whole bunch of money that's been freed up to... um um, help develop infrastructure for um, new housing developments, right? Um, and so they've said, "Oh, look, we're going to work in partnership with uh, private developers, EWE, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, various other actors, um, and the apprenticeships boost." Um, and yeah, those have been totally uncontroversial because, um, in this case, everyone agrees on um, the solution to the problem, right? Which is um, that we do need to. We do need to generate a larger number of dwelling units, right? That's not necessarily building more greenfield houses, but, um, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we talked a little bit before about subdividing your backyard or building up. Yes. So I'm a big fan of increased density. Yeah. Um, I think it's the... I pay some city. I am too. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's the only thing that we've got, the only thing that's really going to be effective. Yeah. Um, And that's going to require quite a large cultural shift, I think. Totally. Isn't it?
1: Yeah, 100%. Just like um, wind-powered energy is, wind turbines in your backyard, all those kinds of things are going to have to take a massive cultural shift, and this is the same. Um, because, I mean, it's going to take a big cultural shift for more people to move out to Taere anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you know people don't like the look of uh houses and if you know they'd like to be able to look out of the tree or, or down the road a little bit if you're boxed in you don't like that and yeah. people scream that it's going to bring down the value of my house as well there's all that yeah. kind of stuff um but in all reality i don't think that's going to bring down the price of your house much at all uh, and if you build up you're gonna make more anyway the, the
0: truth of the matter is that the value of urban land is mostly determined by the, the kind of the quantity of people around it yeah right um so you know the most valuable piece of land on earth is, Central Park,
1: hundred percent. You
0: know, it's just there's empty land. It's not developed. It's not being used anything for anything other than recreation, and recreation is important. But the value of that land derives from the fact that it is surrounded by a huge city that supports you know huge amounts of people, Mm. um, and that's it, right? And so, like greater urban density. Um, it's not going to be bad for the value of of people's land. So if you're sitting there, you own a house, and your next door neighbours, um, you know, want to build upwards and pack more people into the into the neighbourhood, it's difficult to see how, in the long run, that doesn't improve the value of well, the land, land that see, you hold. Yeah,
1: right? an investors going to see your land and go, oh wow, I can build up there. So I can put double the amount of um, space for humans there, yeah. so I can earn the double amount. Yeah. You know, e- e- even if if the value of each apartment is slightly, you know, is less than the, yeah. the value of the one by itself, yeah. um,
0: it's still more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because you're building more units, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the, the the thing that I'm trying to say is it's it's the people that are valuable, right? Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I
1: see. But um. interesting to see what does happen. I mean, because Otterporty's got some amazing green space. Where they w- it does. What are they going to do? I mean, we've got many golf courses. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have a lot of golf courses. But you know, yeah. but the interesting is the thing. you are talking about forbury at the moment uh, with the sale of the Fulbry Race Course. Uh, yes. But it's also that's South Dunedin. <laughs> uh, you know, and 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 in terms of climate change, <laughs> yeah, 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 you, yeah, You know,
0: what do you what do you where do you go? What do you do? Sure, I mean. Look, for the people who are looking around at what is happening around the world, um, I think it is something that you can get legitimately excited about, right? So I've been reading all of... I mean, this is kind of my area. I look at... um, I've been looking at South and quite a lot. Yeah. I look at natural disasters, Mm -hmm. what the market seems to tell us about... um, You know... um, how they react to these sorts of things and what they expect in terms of public insurance. It's like government support for disasters and whatnot. Um, you know, and so I've been reading all about um, various things that cities have been doing to um, prepare for. Oops, that's me, sorry. sorry. To prepare for, um, you know, rising sea levels. And um, Rotterdam is. A, a exceptional yeah. example where they've decided, look, you know It's the biggest port in the world. Right, we can't We can't keep the water out. Water's always going to find a way in. Yeah. And so we're going to find a way to design our cities such that the water becomes a valuable and useful part of the city, right? So parts of the city will occasionally flood um, but we've designed our city in such a way that when it does flood they become like nice water features and, you know, whatever, right? mm mm-hmm. um, so, I don't know, I, I think there's there's a way to build yep. on the Forbury Park land, which um, will be really pleasant to live at. Classic and US beach
1: stilt house.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, in the simplest, yeah, in the, yeah, exactly. I mean, that is the simplest possible solution, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. like, a not illegitimate one, right? Like,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but Rotterdam, I mean, it's, sorry, it's the biggest port in Europe. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of money that goes through. Oh, the yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, They've got, yeah. A, you know. Oh, so different scale. Yeah, different yeah, yeah, scale. Yeah. They, yeah, for they sure. They could afford that kind of infrastructure, yeah, because sure. those dikes and everything, I mean, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible work they've done over there, like, amazing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, different, totally different scale. But it'll be interesting to see what you do. You, you know, there's talk talk about pumps and all those kinds of things going in there. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, sorry, we've run out of time. Well, that's all right. <laughs> because that's because all right. Um, to us, that seemed
0: like a very short conversation. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah it's easy when I you get like up. I was saying earlier, yeah.
0: I mean, there's like there's so much to unpack, right? There's so much there is. so for people to sort of understand about this and well, it's good
1: that I've had you in because now I can use you in the future. Yeah, if no, I'd be happy to. It. Absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm around. So, so I'm no doubt there'll be
1: some more chat and more things coming out of it because there have been things um, coming out every day since it's been announced. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, no doubt. I probably And that's
0: good, right, because the initial announcement was, you know, a little bit vague, right? Yeah, um, yeah, totally. So it is nice to, to see more detail coming out. You need that. Hey, well,
1: thank you so much, Leon. It's been an absolute no, pleasure. thank you very much. Have yourself a wonderful day. Yeah, you
0: too.